Brothers and sisters, welcome to the LDS Fishers of Men podcast. This is your host, Alan, coming at you again. Uh, I've been posting sporadically. <laughs> Haven't been consistent for a little while. I've definitely been um, busy with a lot of preps. Uh, we just got some baby chicks not too long ago, so we can have some eggs. Um, you know, just trying to do everything that we can to be as ready as we can so that we can, you know, fulfill that scripture that if ye are prepared, ye shall not fear, right? I think we're on episode 12 today, but yeah, I apologize about the, about the sporadic um, posting of the podcasts. Um, I will always post, but it may not always be on a consistent day, so... Whereas usually I would be posting on uh, the International Chess Day on Monday, which I have changed to the International Leg Day, full of squats, leg extensions, leg curls, you know, things like that. Um, today is Wednesday. So today is basically rest day. I might do some some back and biceps, but we'll see. We'll see how I feel. It's also young men's, so I gotta be to that. But I have just a, a minute here, and I wanted to go ahead and throw something out there today. I've over the weekend, I've my mind has been thinking back to Noah, Noah in the Ark, right? I uh, even turned on a little, um, they had a little special on Amazon Prime dealing with Noah and the Flood, and it was very well done. Super good. I'll see if I can find it and put a uh, put a link to it in the description. Very very cool. Very good stuff. Um, put out by just some, some Christians, uh, Christian scientists who kind of give some explanation as to, like, you know, they go into the Grand Canyon, they explain how the strata is laid down, why it's laid down the way it is, and how it is consistent with something catastrophic happening very fast, and not a millions of years type deal. You know, they were dealing with erosion and all that other stuff. Um, fascinating stuff. But what was really cool... You know, I, I love all of the sciencey stuff, obviously, but what was really cool was it just kind of got my mind thinking about just Noah generally. It got my mind thinking about just just the situation of, of his time. And, you know, if you remember, we can go back to Christ, right? The great Jehovah. Um, when he had called his twelve apostles, and when he was speaking to them uh, shortly after, he told them, you know, basically that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So, when Christ comes again for the second coming, things will generally be like they were during the days of Noah. It's very interesting. It's an interesting thought. Now, obviously right now the world is is full of violence, right? In the scriptures, in the, in the Hebrew, 
the word it uses for violence is Hamas. The world was full of Hamas, right? It's full of violence. I find that interesting. But, you know, you look around today, and I would say that the world is full of violence today. Uh, that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it doesn't bode well for the future. If things are going to be worse, you know, during the as we get closer to the coming of the, the Son of God, the great Jehovah, uh, violence seems to be ramping up, and it will continually ramp up until he himself personally puts a stop to it. But as I think back to the conditions of how things were during the days of Noah, as I look back and I think upon the condition of where we are at right now in history, you know, there are some things that need to happen uh, before we can expect the Son of God, right? Uh, there, is no, there is no city of Zion yet. The Lost Ten Tribes have not returned uh, Adam on Diamond, as far as I know and understand, has not occurred yet. Maybe we'll hear about that, maybe we will not. But at any rate, there is not a temple built at Jerusalem. The Dead Sea has not been healed, right? Water has not, you know, healing water has not sprung forth from underneath the temple that does not exist yet in Jerusalem to heal the Dead Sea. There's just, There's some things that have to happen. If we follow scripture and if we follow prophecy, those things have to happen before Christ comes back. Um, and I, you know, I see a lot of people on YouTube, especially you know, on social media and stuff, talking about that how this is it. You know, we're about to enter into World War III, and this is you know, Christ is going to come anytime shortly, right? And it's you know. Do I believe that Christ is going to come shortly? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Now, now, what does that mean? I think, uh, I think that's where we may differ in opinion. Where I differ in opinion with those people. Um, could Christ come in my lifetime? I, I do think that is the case. I absolutely think that if I am allowed to live you know, a long and fruitful life like my grandfather and my great-grandfather before me. You know, my, my people, if I am allowed to live as long as they, I strongly suspect that I will witness uh, the coming of the Son of God. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to happen in the next year. You know what I'm saying? Very, very interesting topic. Very interesting thing, and I'm having I'm having to keep myself on track and not, you know, not squirreling and going branching off on onto this. But I'm bringing it up solely because there is so much. There's so many voices competing for your attention, right? Uh, my voice is one of them, and for whatever reason, you've chosen to listen to what I have to say. Um, and that is a responsibility that I do not take lightly. Something that I have learned is that there are people who are hungry 
for for truth. There are people who are hungry for direction. There are people who, you know, j just like how when they tell you when you go out on your mission, right? There are people who are hungry for the truth, but they just don't know where to find it. I think that one of the biggest revelations to me from running a podcast has been that there are people who are hungry to listen. Even in the LDS community, right? Like this, this podcast is targeted towards those of us who are already LDS. And if non-members want to listen, that's absolutely, totally cool. You can get kind of a, you know, you can get a window into what we believe and stuff like that. But there are members of the church who are hungry for the truth. And because of all of those voices who are competing for attention, obviously not all those voices are good. Obviously not all of those voices are have your best interest in mind, right? There are definitely ulterior motives. There are those who, who profess and who, you know, who would say that they are giving God's word and stuff, yet they will preach against the foundation, the church, the brethren, ultimately Jesus Christ, while under the guise of Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't anything new, right? Go back to DNC section 1. Uh, there are people who are creating their own God, their own Christ. You know, it, they're, they're creating and molding Christ after a pattern that they choose instead of what is actual, what is real, right? What is revealed to us. I suspect that will continue on and that we will even get into some weirder stuff as time goes on. just like it was in the days of Noah, we're ramping up to the formation of, of that prophecy, of it being, you know, of it being like it is today and, and the future, the near future, as it was back then. I think that if you go, and this is fascinating, but if you go and there are some really cool, like I say, there's some really cool stuff dealing with Noah, um, especially when they dig into the earth. There was a man who was shoveling coal into a furnace, and a piece of coal broke. A big piece of coal broke open, and what was inside of that coal, that big lump of coal, was a bell. It was a pagan bell that was used, that they, as far as they can tell, in religious ceremonies, right? And I believe it had like a, it had a, basically a cow horns and stuff like that on it. And, you know, they wound up cleaning it up and it could still ring. The metal composition was that of, they were actually kind of puzzled. They were like, why is, why is this in the metal? Why is this in the metal? You know, Basically, it, long story short, it shows that the atmosphere was different back then than it is now. And I bring this up to point to a fact that, you know, there's a bunch of weird stuff happening. There's a bunch of strange, uh, resurging 
pagan ideology, pagan gods and stuff like that. A lot of crazy, weird stuff. And not only that, but then we are having a lot of LDS people who are coming up with their own versions of of what they think the faith should be, whether that, you know, whether that means they think that same-sex couples should be able to get married in our temples and sealed for time and all eternity, or whether that means, you know what I mean, whatever. Take your pick. There's a lot of, of stuff like that, and I suspect that we are going to see that continue on and get weirder and weirder and weirder. Because that's what happened in the days of Noah. That The days of Noah was a culmination of from the time of Adam and Eve... And like we talked about last time, in uh, in our last episode, how Satan appeared among them, right? Lucifer appeared as an angel of light and said, Believe them not. I am also a son of God. And he then began to teach them. Now, I don't think that he started off with the, the cow horns and the, you know, the, the, the cow effigy. I think that it was a slow twisting and a slow methodical journey going from the truth which probably started out with just some philosophies of men mingled with scripture very close to the truth to eventually you're offering your children up on a statue of a bell-like creature right very interesting uh very wicked obviously but we're we are watching that same exact thing happen now and like i say i don't know when you know when christ is going to make his appearance there are some things that have to happen first and i'm grateful for those prophecies because it gives me a kind of a litmus test as to see you know i've got i've got a i've got a gauge here you know that that can show me roughly where we are as to pertaining to the second coming. And I know some things haven't happened yet. Now those things could happen rather quickly. And a part of me wonders if a lot of the events that may, uh, that look extremely likely that will take place are going to lead us into an environment where it is setting the stage for some of the prominent scriptures of Revelation, of Daniel, right? You know, Nephi. A lot of these these things, these big things, you know, Mark of the Beast type stuff, right? We're not there yet, but I, I wonder if this conflict could set that type of thing up. I don't know. It definitely has a um, potential, and it definitely has... I think a formula to be able to create that type of environment and that's kind of what I'm thinking with all of this stuff happening you know if we go to the Book of Mormon um, the Book of Mormon really is as Glenn Beck says it is a a compass and a map right the Book of Mormon was given to us to be able to help us to chart out a lot of this stuff. It wasn't just randomly selected reads, right? It wasn't on Alma's reading list, you know, and that's how it got put together. No, this is Mormon uh, going by the Spirit and having selections that, you know, uh, 
I think they said not not even a thousandth part we have we, we've put together into this book. It's very interesting if you read the Book of Mormon, you'll see, and, and pay attention to this going forward. You'll see sometimes it'll skip like a hundred years. It'll be like oh and blah 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 this happened in this hundred years and this king, and this king or this judge and this judge. But right before Christ comes, it it slows down dramatically. It all of a sudden goes, now let's get into some detail. And it even goes into some of the battles that they had, some of the tactics. And we get this incredible detail as to what's happening. One of the things that starts to happen around that time is that people take, you'll see these people, random people, show up in the land, uh, in the Nephite territory, and they will start preaching a variation of of the word of God. They will, in some cases, they say, yeah, there's going to be a son of God. Or, you know, in many cases, they say, no, there's not going to be a son of God. But there is a God. And he will, he doesn't care what you do, because no matter what you do, you can't make it back on your own. So you'll receive your, your stripes, and then he'll forgive you, and you'll be good. It's so incredible to see the parallels uh, to the Book of Mormon, to the lives of the Nephites and the Jaredites even, and then comparing that to ourselves. You know, they had a, a, a system of government that was very much a parallel to ours, right? Now it's, it's systematically somewhat different as, you know, ours is systematically somewhat different to theirs, but it's interesting because it's all like they were a bunch of people who came from Jerusalem. So they had a whole lot of Deuteronomy in their system of government, as we do, right? If you don't know that, go back and study the founding uh, of this country, of the United States, and you'll see there is a whole lot of Deuteronomy in there, right? We both, uh, you know, we, we both call back to ancient Israel and the government of God. But it's very interesting to see the times of the Book of Mormon even, like you can see that paralleling the days of Noah as well, right? Before Christ came in the Book of Mormon, uh, the land was filled with violence, right? It became tribal. There was an overthrow of the government. Everything collapsed. And there was a bunch of weird doctrine that got introduced. And the church, like the uh, the brethren of the time, they started to lose members of the church to this stuff. And it became very difficult for them to be able to hold everything together. I suspect uh, we are entering into that time as well right now. If you can see the brethren, you know, they come out with stuff now and... It's funny because the church's position on things hasn't changed. It really hasn't. On a lot of our pillar core beliefs. Right now, of course, there, there's going to be some things that change in administration or in, you know, policy and stuff like that. That's very different than what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about pillars of our religion. Um, it being a, you know, based on scripture, prophecy, teachings of Christ... Uh, you know, being restored, there are some things that are never going to change, ever. It is set in stone, right? But we're going to see 
Many people decouple themselves from the church organization, from church administration, uh, separate themselves from the prophet, from the apostles, coming up with their own stuff that fits them, that sounds right to them, right? And as we go further and further, it's going to get weirder and weirder. And it's going to become more obvious to those who stay holding to the rod, right? I think just about in every single episode I put out, I at least mention the iron rod. And I admonish everybody to hold to the iron rod because things are going to get weird. So as we go forward here, we're going to see, as we are seeing now, but it's going to pick up the pace, as it was in the days of Noah, you're going to see people twist and turn and go away, and eventually the, the finger of scorn will be pointed at us as members of the church, right? And there will be many who though they have partaken of the fruit of the tree of life, will look and will feel ashamed and will hearken to those who are in the great and spacious building. And they will, unfortunately, they will forsake the fruit and they will go and join with them. What's interesting about that, you know, because I think a lot of times that we think the great and spacious building is basically just full of the polar opposite. It's full of just wicked people who are, you know, eat, drinking, and, and marrying, and, you know, making merry for tomorrow we die type thing. I think that there was a whole lot of people there who had their own ideas about religion, who practiced religion, you know, with, with quotation marks. And who simply made fun of those who were adhering to the traditional view of what the great Jehovah had, had spoken to them. What Jesus Christ had revealed to his prophets as the gospel. Obviously in the days of Noah, the exact same thing happened, right? To the point of it being... The, the church was in the extreme minority. Now, if we think back to Noah, we know that Noah died when he was 950 years old. I do not think that's metaphorical. I do not think that that is allegorical. I think he literally was almost 1,000 of, as we understand, years old. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. There are a lot of explanations for that, right? But whatever the case is, let's just let's go forward assuming he was actually almost a thousand years old. Uh, we know that many of the patriarchs, it gives us their age, and they were going back to Adam almost a thousand years old. Now think about people. Think about people and how we reproduce and how we how we are able to solve problems and stuff like that. Now, those of us today, like we, our lifespan is, you know, really you have a viable scientific mind for maybe, shoot, let's say, let's say 60 years, 70 years tops, right? 
you have a viable scientific mind that can solve problems. And look at what we've been able to accomplish uh, with food, with medicine, science. You know what I'm saying? All of this stuff. We, we are great problem solvers. And we are great uh, adapters, right? We can adapt to our environment, civilization. Now think about if you were to take those people with those magnificent minds, like Einstein, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Hawking, right? Get all these guys with these incredible intelligence and give them a lifespan of a thousand years. Now, obviously, I don't know how, you know, when the de the severe degeneration starts to occur in that lifespan. Maybe it's the last hundred years, let's say. Maybe it's just drawn out to the last one hundred years is when they just start to go downhill. I don't know. But even if that is the case, we're talking about seven, you know, seven hundred plus years of being able to figure stuff out, of being able to, you know being able to reproduce children. I imagine that the population of the world at the time was pretty big. I imagine it was pretty dang decent, you know? We, as we understand things, we I think that we think that we are the most, you know, populous on the earth. Like, maybe that's true. Maybe they were there were just as many people back then. I don't know. I think it's... I think it's very plausible that we could have had an explosion and very quickly fill the earth and maybe even be very close to where the population that we have now. Whatever the case is, it's incredible to me that in the end, it was eight people. It was eight people in the end that adhered to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it just so happened that, like, obviously, Noah was the prophet. He was his dispensation head. He was the mouthpiece in his generation. It's very interesting. Um, his three sons had, had their wives, and they had children before they got on the ark. And those children, okay, they call them the sons and daughters of God, right? Because they were adhering to to the gospel principles, to the, to the gospel itself, as revealed by the great Jehovah to his mouthpiece Noah. At some point, those children, those sons and daughters of God, married sons and daughters of men, meaning those who were not in the covenant, and they chose wickedness. Very interesting stuff. They fell away, right? Now, what I'm really getting to here is, is something that's been on my mind. This has kind of been a, a build-up to what I've really been chewing on all weekend. And for the past couple days as well. But it's interesting to me that Noah, he was given a, a mission to preach. And it, he was, you know, they, they call him the great the great preacher of righteousness. Uh, he stood in for his fathers before him, people like Enoch, right? Lamech, Adam even, going back to the Ancient of Days. But he was given a mission 
to preach repentance. And I, I, I think that whenever we think of Noah, we just immediately go to the flood. But it's interesting to me that Noah, he preached that sermon for 120 years. And it wasn't just the fact that he preached repentance. It was the fact that he gave the consequence as well. He said, look, guys, if we can't figure this out, if we can't get you guys to repent, there's going to be a flood. Okay, Jehovah has spoken and there's going to be a flood. And you will be washed away. Now think about the minds of the time, right? People who were, you know, six, seven, eight hundred years old. Who had studied in their perspective fields for that all that time. Everything that Noah was saying was crazy talk. It was absolute crazy talk. They said, look, we're monitoring the situation. There's nothing happening. Look, everything, it's fine. You know, guys, there were scientists in those days. Absolutely, they understood things. You know what I'm saying? I would say they probably even understood the sky better than we understand it now in some cases, right? We can go back to a lot of the, the uh, carvings on sculptures and stuff, and there's depictions of Pluto. <laughs> you know what I mean? Saturn. They had intense knowledge. And these guys were studying in the perspective fields. They were monitoring everything. Everything that Noah said was crazy talk. And there was zero evidence for it. I find that fact alone worth mentioning and worth chewing on for a minute. There are many times in every dispensation, countless, countless times when prophets have said or given advice on things and it sounds like crazy talk, right? Now, we have the blessing of hindsight with the story of Noah and the ark. And we know that not only was he preaching during that time, but he was also preparing an ark. He was preparing a ship. Now, in artistic uh, representations, we see this this uh, boat, and it's it's patterned weird. It's got an open top and all that stuff. I suspect, brothers and sisters, that if we were to compare the barges of the brother of Jared to Noah's Ark, they would be pretty dang close. They'd be identical. And we, you know, not not saying we know what those look like, but I I don't think they look like anything that man has built. Uh, in history or today. I think that we would be very surprised when, when we finally get to see it on the great Titan Tron in the sky after we pass through, through this life. I think it's going to be very interesting for us to see what it actually looked like, right? And it said that it was patterned after uh, heavenly things. It was not, It was not built after the manner of men. Now, why would it say that? Well, I think that it adds to the fact that they thought that Noah was a nut. <laughs> They're like, look, we know how to build boats. And even if what you were saying was true, 
what are you building there, man? It looks, it looks like, you know, it looks like a rock. It looks like, a, you know, like this is ridiculous. This is foolish. They probably thought that Noah had lost his mind. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. Okay, he was scorned by ninety-nine percent of the population. Probably ninety-nine point nine percent of the population, including his own descendants right? Including his own blood. That is very, very much worth mentioning. That it had gotten to that point. You know, it, it says in scripture that Satan basically had, had the world chained. He had it in chains. Uh, even so much that, you know, it caused the Lord to weep for his people, for his creation surprising Enoch, right? Enoch was like, how is it that you can you can feel sorrow like this, that you can shed tears? You know, it's 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 incredible when we when we actually look at that. But Noah is enduring all this persecution, all of this mocking, of this scorn, this ridicule as he's building this massive ark built after the pattern of, of God, of heavenly things, right? Given blueprints from, from God. All of the knowledge of the world, all of the scientific reasoning of the world was against him. And I'm sure they threw all sorts of things at him. They're like, look, if you, look. Let's talk about, you know, how water is displaced. Let's talk about blah, blah, you know, going on through all this scientific stuff. In the end, eight people have prepared, right? So for 120 years, God gave a chance. God gave every second that he could to the saving of the souls of his creation on the earth. But when it came down to it, eight people were saved. And they all were the same family, right? They watched as, as family members didn't listen, right? As they did not heed the voice of the prophet, as they did not ultimately heed the voice of the great Jehovah. You know, a, a very, a very haunting thought that came to me as, as I was, you know, thinking, as I was chewing on this stuff is when the, when the floods, you know, when the rains came and when the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and this flood hit. The ark was shut, right, before any of that happened. Noah was like, okay, it's time. They walked into the ark. Everybody thought he was a nut. Everybody thought he was crazy. Right, the doors of the ark shut. And they stayed there for a couple days. After a certain amount of time, after a couple days, then boom. Suddenly Noah wasn't so crazy anymore, right? 
Suddenly that prophetic advice seemed like mighty fine advice. And the haunting, the haunting thought that I have is how many people were beating their fists on the ark. How many family members, descendants of Noah, were beating on that ark? Let us in. We, we believe now, right? It's very interesting to think about, isn't it? About how that would affect you psychologically. As the Lord has given you strict instructions, you will not open that ark. When I send the rains, it's too late. You will not open that ark. Very interesting thought, very haunting thought. And I thought about how, you know, how does that apply to us today? You know, we, we know that that at some point the fire comes, right? The Lord will uh, cleanse the earth with fire. But on a smaller scale, I think we can apply the story of food storage to the ark as well. And it has been done by uh, prophets in the past. As we have been counseled for quite some time, definitely over a hundred years, to have food storage, there hasn't really been a time when the church as a whole has had to lean on it. At least not to my knowledge, right? I don't know of any famines that happened uh, for the church as a whole in our past that that we leaned on for a year or two, right? I, like, I don't know. Maybe there were small, little isolated communities, maybe, where that happened. No idea. Nothing I could find pointed to that fact. And when you go to the prophetic council to have food storage, it doesn't seem in most cases anyway, probably 90, 95% of cases where they are talking about food storage, that it's, it's for a minor thing. It seems to me that there is, they know something. We'll just put it that way. They know and have seen something to where they are saying, look, war, conflicts, famine, something is coming and you have to be ready for it. You have to prepare, right? I'm going to give you a anecdotal story here. I spoke recently with a temple sealer And he told me a very interesting story. He told me he was in a meeting with President uh, Monson at the time. And this was right uh, during the financial crash of 2008. 
and President Monson in this meeting was asking, Brethren, what did you notice different about General Conference? They all gave their answers. Oh, blah, 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 blah. He said, no, no, it's not it. Nobody could come up with the right answer. And he said, he said, did you notice we didn't mention food storage? And they said, well, come to think about it. Yeah, that actually, yeah, you, you didn't mention food storage. Why is that? President Monson then said, The Lord has warned for long enough. He's warned as long as he's going to warn. Now he will teach. The warning is over. Now he will teach. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. That sent shivers down my spine. And I was very grateful that I have been <laughs> building my ark, we'll say. Right? I was very grateful that I have been following that piece of advice. Because if I was not prepared and I were to hear that, that would fill me with dread. Right? Now that is an anecdotal story. You can take it or leave it. Um... This was not a he said, she said. I mean, once it gets to you, I guess it is. Uh, this was me hearing it straight from the temple sealer who was there in the meeting. He was there. This is from his eyewitness account, right? I, I think that we are entering in a time where just like in the Book of Mormon, we're going to experience a famine and if you look it you know there's a parallel story to be had in the book of mormon with nephi right saying lord let's instead of wiping them out will you please send a famine so that they can repent and nephi who is given the sealing power is allowed to have his wish he says, okay, I know that you're not going to do anything contrary to my will, Nephi, so go ahead. Shut up the heavens. Uh, don't allow any rain to, to come. You guys won't be able to grow any crops. And there will be hunger in the land. And there will be famine in the land. And perhaps, you're right, maybe they will uh, turn to me, right? I wonder, brothers and sisters, if that is the case right now. There's so many people sleeping. So many people who have not followed the admonition of the prophets. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who, who are alive who have never heard those admonitions. And that fault falls on the parents the parents of those who have heard those admonitions and who just didn't find it to be very good advice. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know 
that the church itself put out a statement uh, back in 2020 that said, without being alarmists, uh, things are shaping up to be the, you know, it's shaping up to be the worst famine in human history. That's a bold statement, isn't it? With all of the potential for disease, whether it be man-made sickness that gets released, or whether it be natural causes, perhaps the Lord will send something, I don't know. And I'm not talking about the great plague that will start in the Lord's house. That's We're not to that time yet. But there are things that can happen on a smaller scale, as evidenced by you know, what we've just experienced with all the lockdowns and stuff. Interesting times are ahead. Interesting times are ahead. And if you are prepared, you shall not fear. If you are building your ark, if you are following the advice of the Lord's mouthpiece, then you'll be okay. You'll be prepared. You'll be able to shut up your ark. And you'll be fine. The part that is keeping me up at night is just like how Noah knew that there were people who didn't listen, right? He knew everybody didn't listen, basically. That part is the part that keeps me up at night as well knowing that there are people who are not listening. Knowing that there are people, our brethren, our sisters, people who are members of the church who just haven't taken that advice. What if we are locked down again with something really deadly? Now, that's not to say that COVID was not deadly. Obviously, it was politicized. Um, but it was real. It was real. It, it almost took my brother's life. But we were lucky enough, perhaps, I think, because of the global fast uh, that President Nelson admonished the world to participate in and wound up having some really good participation from not only the LDS church, but from many, many different churches and people, we came together and perhaps that lessened the blow. I don't know. I suspect it did. Because it's real. It's legit. Uh, but we were lucky with the, the, the kill ratio. We really were lucky. That's coming from you know, somebody who almost had his brother die to it. Like, both things are are true. They are. It was not a as killer as it was trumped up to be, but it was, it was killer. In some cases. And if something like that, like if something worse than that, I mean, excuse me, if something legitimately deadly you know, something really bad gets released. 
and we have to stay in our homes and you can't go to the store and people won't deliver food we, we need to really think about that because we have time now you can have Target or Walmart or Amazon deliver food at a decent price right now even if it's just rice and beans they'll deliver it right to your house right Think of your house as an ark. Okay, you, you've got the house. Now you got to stock it with stuff. And we're not meaning to have food storage take over our, our lessons of Noah here, but this is the parallel that I drew from it, right? This is just something for our exact situation at this point in time. I want to make sure that I have done my part and I have fulfilled my responsibility in not only admonishing you guys, my audience, my brothers and sisters, to hold to the rod spiritually, to heed the admonitions of the prophet, of the apostles. Think back to if you are an endowed member of the church, Think back to your temple, uh, your endowment. Think about the admonitions to follow the Lord's servants. Think about what you promised to do. You know, not not only do I want to stress that, and that, that you know that's really a pillar of of this podcast, but I want to also stress the importance of following that advice on having the food storage so that you can sustain your lives. Like I say, I'm not, I'm not a prophet. I don't know what's going to happen. What I can say for certain is that for 120 years there was Nothing different about the weather. There was nothing different about the economy. There was nothing different about the, the wars and the population as a whole during Noah's time. And for us, definitely for 120 years, there really hasn't been a whole lot of craziness going on. Like We've had world wars, but I don't think we've had, aside from the Great Depression which was really, really bad economically, you know, like I don't think we had an absence of famine of food on the level that we are facing now. And it makes me wonder if this isn't something that was foreseen and warned against from, the, you know, from Jesus Christ to our prophets for the past 100 years plus. It's something to think about. It's something to chew on. And the bottom line is, if you are prepared, you shall not fear. Brothers and sisters, I would admonish you to think about Noah, to think about lessons that we can learn from his life, that we can learn from the ark, that we can learn from the flood. As always, I would admonish you to follow the counsel of the Lord. Follow the counsel 
of the Lord as he gives it to his worthy prophet. As he gives it to his chosen, hand-picked apostles. Hold to the rod. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. You know what I'm saying? Be prepared. Be prepared spiritually. Be prepared temporally. Live the word of wisdom and the angel of death will pass over you. That's a promise given to us in the Doctrine and Covenants. I love you guys. I care for you guys. Uh, forgive me for the not, not not having a set day that I put stuff out on. I, I can promise you will always get a podcast, uh, but it, I can't promise it'll always be on the same day. But I will. I'll get you something every week with the craziness that's going on lately. But I'm preparing. I hope you're preparing. Let's not be afraid. Let's be ready, and let's get our spiritual houses in order. Let's get your testimony. Let's get yourself right with Jesus. Uh, I ask that the Lord will bless you. Uh, for my listeners that are worldwide, I even have people listening in Saudi Arabia. I thought that was that that blew my mind. So a shout out to Saudi Arabia if you're listening from there. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. God keep you. Uh, to my Russian listeners. To my listeners in Belgium everybody God bless you guys and keep you safe and I say that in the name of Jesus Christ Amen